And we're live. Yes, we are. Taylor Davis, I love you. It's so good to see you. Good to see you, Steven. Yep. We're getting our show. This is a different time for us. Normally, we do this on Monday mornings, but today we're doing it on Wednesday, late morning, Central Standard Time. It's almost afternoon. Yep. We, should, we should start officially, though, and we haven't officially started, so. Kick us off. And now, that's cool. yeah, that's the coolest thing ever. You know, it makes me feel we can't learn until that moment. I know, I know. It makes me feel like we're not just guys, like out of our homes. You know what I mean? Right. Although like, we are guys out of our homes right now. We are. We are <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who needs a studio uh, when we have Streamyard and Zoom? Yeah. But you're a guy who knows how to find deals. Yes, and you are too. You've been finding deals for a long time. In yeah. real estate. So last week we did a teaser. We talked about, so last week we talked about how to find deals on the MLS. Correct. Which was super, super good. Actually. Okay. This is a, this is a, this is behind the scenes talk, but I actually need, I, I should get you to set up some of those drips for me. Like can oh, your yeah. team, can your team set up the, the tips we talked about last you week? Give me your criteria and I'll make it happen. Okay. I'm 100% ready to do that. It's so, that's easy. Is that is that talk, talk to you about that or talk to one of your team members? Yeah, get I'll I'll connect you. Okay. I'll so connect. so and and then to, for our audience out there, uh, if you want to find deals on the MLS, um, you can also connect with Taylor. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Taylor at bydavis.com. So okay. that's Taylor at bydavis d-a-v-i-s dot com. Okay, cool. So, um, so yeah, that was really great insight. So you guys should watch our last show. If you want to know our last show, I don't know which way to point, but if you want to know how to find uh killer investment deals on the MLS. And so when people say there are no deals on the MLS, they're sadly mistaken. Yeah. What they mean is what they should say is there's no deals that I can find on the MLS. Or, there's, or, there, or, or you have to look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not just like they're falling in your lap. So, yeah. Right. So I remember a long time ago hearing, uh, it may have been Jim Rohn or some, one of the old school speakers, business speakers. And he was talking about how when people complain about their jobs and they say, uh, you know, how much money do you make in your job? Well, I make this much. Well, how come you can't make more on your job? And they say, well, that's all they pay. And then the response is, no, that's not all they pay. That's all they pay you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's not an issue of can you find deals on the MLS? It's an issue of um, and why you aren't you? Find can deals. you find deals on the MLS? The MLS. Somebody is. And so. Uh, so, yeah. so you've had a lot more success, though, over the course of your career, finding off market deals, though, right? That's the majority of your deals. The majority of mine is off market, finding off market deals. And I, yeah, the majority of my stuff is finding off market deals um, over the years. And in fact, that's how you and I met because yep. you were, you're were a realtor and, and I had houses for sale and you called on two different ones of my houses. They were for sale by owner. Right. And, um, and I was like, no, I don't want to list them. I'm trying to sell them. But if you have a buyer, I'll give you a commission. And then we became friends and, and then, uh, then the bromance started. So, uh, the battle of the scripts led us to connect. It was, it was, it was like good, nice reading on your script. Now listen, <laughs> but anyway, um, so, so yeah, let's talk about, uh, finding deals. Um, maybe, maybe I can talk about what, what different ways I've found deals in the past. Yep. 
and ways that you can maybe find deals now. So if you're looking to find deals that are not on the market, right? you're looking for houses that are not on the market, here are some ways I've found deals in the past. And you will still find that some of these methods will work today. It's not about whether or not a method works. Here's the thing about marketing people need to remember. The thing about marketing is whatever people are, um, whenever everyone's trying to use a specific strategy, that either means it's the best method for you or it's the terrible method for you. Right. So it's like, it's either that either speaks highly of it or, or terribly. Well, and um, I've heard it put this way before and I love it, um, is it, if you're a good contractor, you have a lot of different tools in your toolbox, yes. right? Like yes. you're not, you're not going to go in and just, um, use one tool for an entire job. You're going to have a lot of different tools for that same job. And if yeah. your job is to find deals, you should have different tools to find deals. Right. And Definitely. If you're just the MLS guy. Well, you're missing out on mm -hmm. a lot. Or if mm -hmm. you're just, you know, the driving for dollars guy or whatever that is. So yeah. here's some ways that I've, I found the most deals between maybe 2005 and 2009. Okay. Uh, um, one was, um, we and a lot of these strategies will still work today. Some of them are a little marginal or questionable. Some people may not like them, but um, one is using uh, bandit signs. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what bandit signs are, just Google bandit signs. But those are the really obnoxious yellow and black or blue and white signs yeah. that are on the side of the road that says some guy wants to buy houses. Right. Yep. yep. We buy houses, or Joe buys houses, or whatever. Yeah. And um, and true story. Out of all of my marketing efforts. I have paid the least money per deal that I've bought on bandit signs. Yeah. And man, yeah. And you got and, and got to know your your city regulations cuz certain cities around here are really strict about that and that it's mm -hmm. just a, it's a no-go and then some yeah. don't care at all. Yeah. And, and some of them say they care but then they really don't. Right. There are actually organizations that are against that. There used to be an organization, a national organization called Cause Citizens Against Ugly Street Spam. And um true story yeah. And they're against those signs. Now, so municipalities will uh, disallow a lot of those kind of signage. And then you just have to decide, is it worth it or not? Because we we would put out, let's say on a Friday night, we would put out, um, you know, on a Friday night, um, in the middle of the night, we would we would send our kids out and they would put out signs all night long um, in certain areas we were targeting and on, on two corners. And uh, by the next day, we were getting all kinds of calls. Um, the call, calls like, why the heck did you put this sign here? Um, so, so, you know, calls like, I hate you, you should die. Okay, let's let's yeah. dive into the the first guy, not the I hate you, you should die, but yeah. the like, do you do you flip that around the guy that's just calling and like, I'm curious why you like, hey, why I saw the sign, why did you put it up? Like, what's this about? Mm -hmm. Do you flip that into anything, or do you just kind of? No, like, I'm I'm kind. I'm, I'm gentle. I'm kind. I'm direct. I'm short. I'm, I'm brief. I'm kind. I'm short. Yeah. Oh, you didn't like that sign there. Oh, listen, I'll make note of that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to, I, you, out of curiosity, you know, anybody that's struggling to sell their house. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Like, you know, any neighbors that are needing to sell. Yeah. 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 So we did that. And, and sometimes it was like, um, you know, and there are ways if you had certain municipalities don't like it, um, and you just have to figure that out. Certain ones don't like it, but they won't do anything. Certain ones will fine you. Um, not that I would have ever done anything like this, but uh, some investors back in the day that I knew um, just worked into their budget that they were going to get fined a certain number of times <laughs> by putting out signs. But the same municipalities that don't allow We Buy Houses signs also don't allow like garage sale signs and stuff. Right. So here's a really interesting fact. 
Yeah. I, I, and I only know this because I got in trouble with the city one time uh-huh. and it was a sign in my own yard it was in a house that I, I owned and I had a sign in the yard mm-hmm. and uh, they, they find me, they ended up having to drop it because of this. So yeah. uh, I'm not an attorney. I do not dispense legal advice yet. <laughs> uh, there was a case. So when that happened, I mean, I, you know, I go into research mode and I'm, I'm uh I'm pretty when I get impassioned about something, yeah. Like it, I'm gonna I'm gonna go after it. Right. And uh so when that when that took place, and it was fairly dramatic because we for whatever reason the city was only able to reach us, uh like they, their letters didn't get to us because they weren't certified. I got no. a certified letter that basically said if I don't pay this fine by tomorrow, you're there's a warrant out for your arrest. And I was like, Oh, oh gosh. Like it was That's like in your own yard. Yes. And so yeah. Anyhow, long story short, did all this research and and there was a case, uh, some some individual in Arizona versus some city in Arizona went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled nine to zero. I mean, unanimous yeah. uh, that uh, uh, a city could regulate the size or placement of a sign. Mm-hmm. They do not regulate the content. It's free speech. So uh, if they allow certain signs in certain areas, then they have to allow basically all signs. So found that very interesting. So yes, there are like, you have to, they, for all signs, you have to receive this type of permit or whatever. So you just got to check with your city regulations. So So, do what? Let me me give a little riff off of bandit signs. There's one specific municipality in this area where we really wanted to get houses. And um, I was just starting to build a buyer's list as well. And there were, this was a, like a perfect neighborhood for us. I was looking for homes in a certain price range in certain neighborhoods that were about 50% rentals and 50% homeowners. And, um, and, and anyway, and by the way, that's what I, I love those kind of neighborhoods because if it's, if it's half and half, if it's 50% rentals and 50% homeowners and you buy homes in that neighborhood, you can sell to investors because they want to be landlords or you can sell to homeowners. Pause. I want to, yeah. I want to, Pause real quick and point yep. something out. Yep. What that means is you had a specific criteria. Yes. And one of the best, one of the things that, especially a new investor, the biggest mistake new investor, one of the biggest mistakes new investors make is they don't have clear criteria. Yeah. And so they, because they're afraid they're going to miss out on a deal. But because of that, they don't get any deals because they don't know what a deal looks like to them. Yeah, that's right? true. And so yeah. having clear criteria. And so you're like, hey, I like neighborhoods that look like mm-hmm. this. I'm going right. to target neighborhoods that look like this. Yeah. Clear criteria, you're going to mm-hmm. have a higher success rate. It's the equivalent of somebody coming to you and saying, hey, Stephen, I, I need a job. Right. You're like, okay, what kind of job do you need? I don't care, any job. Well, I'm not going to send you any job. But right. if you came to me and you said, hey, Stephen, I need a job and I've got a career. Uh, I'm, I'm an engineer and I'm looking for uh, something that makes over $100,000 in more Norman, Oklahoma yeah. City area. That's clear. Yeah. I can help you with that. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. So, anyway, yeah. Well, so one municipality. This is a riff on on the bandit signs, bandit the signs. We Buy House signs. So one one municipality, they were hardcore against the signs, and we put signs out in this area, and the city called me, and they figured out who I was, and they called me, and it was going to be like two hundred dollars per sign or something crazy. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to come right this moment and pick up every sign that we have in your city. Um, and so here's what I did next. I went to my neighborhood and we wrote these signs. We hand wrote, I had my kids do it 
in my, my kid's handwriting. And it said handyman special, um, cash offers only, you know, for sale, handyman special, cash offers only, and my phone number, my cell phone number on just white corrugated signs. It was just handwritten. And what we did is we drove to the specific neighborhoods in this city that I wanted to buy in. And we found every single house that was trashed, that was vacant, that had broken windows, that looked like it had um, problems with it, like every house like that. And we took those signs and we put them in the yards of all the vacant houses. Because in this city, you cannot put signs in the streets. Okay. But you can put signs on private property. And so we put the signs on private property instead. And so then what happened is people would call us. Oh, without got, a doubt. Why they like, I'm sure you got the, the I got two. Is there a, a sign in my yard? I got two kinds. I got two kinds of callers. Number one, I got a ton of investors call me that said, Hey, I want to look at this house that you have for sale. I'm like, Oh yeah, listen, that house is not for sale yet. But I do have another house that's four blocks away that is for sale and it's very similar. Okay. So I did that. And should I be talking about this? I don't know if this is too much. Too late. It's too it's late. Gray. It's, it's gray, gray, but yeah, I don't think it's unethical. It's just gray. But then, then then the other type of caller I got was the people who owned the houses. And they're like, hey, why'd you put a sign in my yard? And I'm like, oh yeah, hey, listen, I was wanting to get a hold of you. Thanks for calling. Will you want to sell that house to me? I want to buy it. And I bought two houses that way. Okay. So I bought two houses by putting a sign in their yard that said for sale. Gotcha. I, that's, that's uh that is a spinoff and uh, a bold move. I, I mean, uh, like, are you uncomfortable with that strategy? Personally? I don't know that I, I mean, and I consider myself pretty bold. I don't know that. Uh, I, I don't know how comfortable I, I you know what, you know, if I, it's a mindset, right? And like, I, I don't know if I'd be able to, to, to overcome that. But I love that you did, and uh, you saw success for that through that. Yeah. And uh, curiosity, would you do it again? I mean, I don't know. I'm finding deals other ways now, so I don't, right. I don't need to do that. Um, right. But I was, okay. I was hungry. I was hungry at the time. I didn't have a lot of money to spend on marketing. Um, so. Yes, that's right. And, and, and also when people are like, I need you to like, I don't put a sign in my yard again. I would just say, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'll never put a sign in your yard again. Sure. Hey, do you mind just pick that up and throw it away for me? <laughs> you know, yeah. like. Um, uh, so I did kind of a similar thing, but I, it wasn't a sign in the yard. But I, I, I mean, because I think that's combining the bandit sign with driving for dollars it, yes. or I've heard it used as that. And and. Yeah. Where you're you're driving through neighborhoods that you like or that hit your target demographic, your your criteria, yeah, and you're looking for abandoned houses, and so right. you're looking for grass coming up in the driveway or or the overgrown, and uh, you know just like it's it's an abandoned house or and 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 probably need some work. And right. I would write a handwritten note and then mail the owners, and I'd I'd stick a note on the door, handwritten note, yeah. tape it to the door. And uh, then mail basically the exact same letter to them uh, through county records. Yep. A hundred percent. That's, and you can do that today. And yes, I would still do that today. And yes, I still do a little bit of that today. I bought, okay. So I bought a house last week Mm -hmm. in Paula Mm -hmm. and I bought it because I recently bought a house nearby and it was this abandoned house. And I, I feel like every lake has this house. And so you know exactly what I'm talking about, but like, 
there's like a, a, a golf cart in the front yard that's buried like eight inches. And like, I mean, it's just clearly an abandoned property. Right. So, uh, and I'd asked around uh, the neighbors and, and nobody had seen anybody at this property for over five years. So I skip traced them, which is just, I mean, you know, great resource, truepeoplesearch.com. Hmm. Like you can find, if you've got the, the, the name, which you can pull from County and you've got the address, which you can pull from County, you can, you, there's a decent chance that you're going to be able to find a phone number from truepeoplesearch.com and it's mm-hmm. free. So that's what I did. I got on there, found this, found the owner, uh, found her phone number, called her, uh, and said, Hey, would you be interested in selling your, your property here? And mm-hmm. she said, no. And I was like, okay. So about two or three months later, I call again. And I was like, you know, I, and I built a friendly connection with her. And yeah. I called two or three months later and I was like, Hey, and I, I know you said no, uh, to, to selling your property. Um, and, uh, and this house has like mold in the bottom and it's bad. It's in rough shape. But I, and I, and I said, however, would you take, and I threw a dollar amount out and I said, hey, would you take this much? Mm-hmm. And she paused and she just goes, yeah, I would. I was like, okay. And the truth is, is like we, and it was a number that I was happy to pay that amount for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of times when we throw it out there, people are thinking, no, I'm not going to sell it for 10 cents on the dollar. Right. But when, you, you know, sometimes it's just even throwing a number out there and, and that's not a great negotiate. Like if you can start off with, with, um, you know, getting their motivation and get, but that wasn't getting me anywhere. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to throw this number out and see if it sticks. And it yeah. did. And, um, so anyhow, like that driving for that, looking for the abandoned piece, yeah. that's a huge opportunity to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So driving for dollars, uh, we used to do that a lot. I still do it a little bit now. I used to hire people to do it for me. I used to hire my kids. And so like if you're a if you're a bicycler or a runner or like I think Uber drivers and Lyft drivers and even like door dashers, I think people like that could make tons of money finding real estate deals like driving through neighborhoods and you just identify a house that's obviously vacant, jot down the address, go to the county records, it's public record who owns it, write them a handwritten letter. Um, You mentioned this handwritten letter in passing. Talk to me about that. Why would you send a handwritten letter instead of some kind of form letter? Because uh, a form letter is junk mail, but you're gonna you're gonna it's guerrilla marketing, right? I, I learned yeah. that from somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the the yellow. So I mean, you taught me yellow letters, which is right. I mean a handwritten right. letter on yellow paper, right. um, and it just stands out as something different. It it, it uh, also yeah. if you want to see a higher success rate in your open, yeah. uh, get a a pastel colored or like an ivory, not a white, mm-hmm. uh, invitation style envelope. Right. Because when you're going through your mail, you're ciphering what's junk mail and what's not really from the envelope a lot of the times, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, that says uh, mm-hmm. Capital One and I don't have a Capital One card, so that goes in the trash. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, whatever that that is. But if you get an, if you get an invitation style envelope with a handwritten uh, you know, uh, address on it. Right. This was intentionally given to me. Like this is something I'm going to, I'm going to open this because it's probably a card or an invitation to something. This is personal. The biggest piece is getting them to open it. And then when you open it and now it's handwritten, 
Yeah, I don't know who this person is, but it's handwritten. I'm intrigued. I'm at least going to read it yeah. uh, before I throw it in the trash. Yeah. Uh, first class stamp, even a commemorative stamp. We used to buy commemorative stamps. It's like buy the Elvis stamps or whatever is coming. So yep. you go to the post office and say, what commemorative collector stamps do you have right now? And buy those. I, and, once, I once read that put the stamp upside down. Yep. Did you ever same. do that? Yep. Yep. Same. And that, at one time I was sending out about 2,000 letters like that per week. And so you test all kinds of things. And sure. so it was like we did better with legal paper and red, you know, red pens. And we did better with uh, hand addressed, no return address. Like if it's hand addressed, they have to open it. Like it's like it looks like a letter that came from your grandma. You have to open it. Right. And then it's like um, and then you just be really personal. So like we write in in ours then and now, like my name is Steven. Here's what I live here. Yeah. Here's my phone number. Like. I'm a real person. I'm not one of these jokers that's just spamming everybody. I, I legitimately buy and sell houses and, and you know, you can come see my home where I live if you want. I went to school in this area. I mean, it's like that. Right. So we try to be really personal. Yeah, you're a human and you stand out from all of the junk mail that's, you know, we buy houses, right? Because yeah. like, people yeah. get that, especially yep. in certain neighborhoods and a lot right. of these that you're targeting. Um, right. And the other thing, like, you know, uh, once I became married, I started adding, uh, hi, my name's Taylor. My wife and I are interested yeah. in buying this property. And it just seems so much more wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not As like the younglings are saying today. That's so wholesome. <laughs> I've yet to hear that, but I'm not a youngling anymore. Oh, so. oh, I know. I know. But yeah, definitely. It's the, it's the like the, the 14 to 16 year olds. Yeah. Good. Man, that is wholesome. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So also um, you could, you can also do and think about doing mailers in, in many different ways or think about contacting people in many different ways. So here are a few principles, and then maybe we can mention a few ways to get lists. Okay. A few principles are the more personal you can be, the better. Right. That's a principle. So if it's handwritten, it's better than if it's printed. If you make a phone call, that's better than, sending an email. Like yeah, if yeah. you send a text, that's better, you know, things like that. So the more personal you can be, um, that's one principle. Another principle is the more targeted you could be, the better. So if it's written to a specific individual, instead of doing letters to an entire neighborhood. Dear that, homeowner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another principle is the harder it is for the owner to be found, the more likely you'll get a deal on the house. Because if the owner is hard to find, like if you have to skip trace them and it doesn't really work, and then you skip trace them with another system and it still doesn't work, you still can't find them. And then you go search for the owner's name on Facebook and you find his son and you message his son and you say, hey, can I get a hold of your dad? I want to buy his house. Do you see what I'm saying? Like no one's doing that, but you can find deals that way. Right. So those are some principles. The more personal, the harder it is. Um, what about ways to find lists or... What are what are the types of houses that are lists? So we talk about lists, yeah. Uh, so going to back to your principle of targeting, right? Yeah. Um, so you can target all kinds of, you know, in, in today's world, data is mm -hmm. accessible, and you, there's always a company that provides whatever data you want. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, you can look for you can look for non-owner occupied. That would be you know landlords that own a property, and you're mm -hmm. targeting hopefully a tire you're looking for the tired landlord, the burned out landlord that just wants to sell their investment property. 
uh, you can target uh, you can target lists um, specific to uh, probate, specific mm-hmm. to foreclosure, specific to three months behind on their payment. Mm-hmm. Um, in a particular neighborhood, like you, like if you got this neighborhood that you want, and you want to start targeting. Uh, people that have owned a house for over seven years in a particular neighborhood, you mm-hmm. can get really detailed into whatever yeah. list that is. Yeah. And then you start to narrow that down. Yeah. Um, you're not seeing as much of this anymore, but another pretty common list that you, that was a, a deal once upon a time, what expired listings. Mm-hmm. Uh, investors in 2008, nine and 10 mm-hmm. had a field day with expired listings. That was it, money. It was, it was money back then. Now you don't like in today's market, but I think that's going to come back, right? As, as more listings begin to expire, mm-hmm. as, as markets are cyclical. Every year it's cyclical. You're going to have a, a higher spring season and a, a slower winter season, right? And, and markets are cyclical too. Um, real estate market on average is a seven-year cycle. So you're going to have these ups and downs throughout that. During the downtimes, the expired list is a great list because this is a motivated seller that's trying to sell their home and failed most of the time for at least six months, you know, they, they, most of the time they've been on the market for six months and they're tired. And now you're hitting them with the exactly what they want, which is to sell their house. Maybe it's not what they wanted to sell it for, but they at least have that option. Right. Something about, you mentioned about the landlords, tired landlords. That is a big market for buying homes because the, and here's, and by the way, and here's just a little tip on lists. Here's what I like to do. And maybe you have some thoughts on this. Um, is to to pull a list of people who own like three properties or less. Okay. So in other words, I, I want a list of people who own three single family houses in this metro area, no more than that. Okay. So three or less. And that indicates like, because if you, and you can, if there's a lot of them, you can narrow it down by how long have they owned them and things like that. But like, if you only have two or three rentals, you're going to be working real hard if you get to about eight to 10, I think is when you start cash flowing enough that it's not a huge stress. Like it's hard to hire a property manager for two properties. Right. And so there's more tired landlords, like people who are like, I want to try to be a landlord. And then they, they're like, they get one bad tenant and they're like, Oh, this is terrible. Right. And there's a lot of people that, um, you know, maybe they really didn't have the intention of being a landlord. They just didn't sell their house and they decided to rent it out instead. And then yep. it kind of turned into something. And then they're like, no, this isn't what I want. Yeah. So Another list that's similar, but not the same is out of state owners mm-hmm. or out of the area owners. You may have mentioned it, but like, it's really hard to manage a property long distance. Yeah. It and is. so a lot of those people are um, other places you can find lists in some municipalities. You can get lists when there are code violations on houses. You can get it from the city in some cities. You can you can get lists of of uh, sometimes you can get lists of like like utility cutoffs in some cities. Uh, you can get lists of burnouts in in our city in our major metro in Oklahoma City. Used to be able to get a list of, of houses that were burned out. Um, I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. new to me. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll learn something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get lists of. Uh, like behind on taxes. So as the tax list comes out, mm-hmm. you can catch them before the tax sale, mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. buy them. Same thing for a uh, sheriff sale. Like mm-hmm. the sheriff sale list comes out a uh, month or you know, a couple months in advance. Mm-hmm. So you know that they're going to have this foreclosure 
Mm -hmm. If you can get in touch with them, they're going to most likely be motivated. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and I, I, and this'll, this'll be, this'll continue to be refined. Um, but something I've noticed over the last 12 months, 100% of the deals I've bought are from people who are 60 years and older. And so here are a couple of things to think about that. Um, is number one, probates, I think will remain, will continue to be a long-term good possibility for finding deals. And in your county, probates are public record. Yep. So this is when someone dies. And, and here's what you'll find in probate records in most states. In most states, probate records are public record. And when someone dies and they file for probate, it will list if they have real estate in that or not. And it will list the names of the heirs. And in, and in our counties, the one that, well, the one that you and I live in and the one that's just north of us, the two big counties in this area, both of them, at least they used to list the address of the heirs in the probate. And so you could go in there and you could get the address, the physical address of the heirs. Um, so like grandma dies and then she has three kids and they're in three different states and they don't want to keep that house. They want to sell it. And so that's one possibility. But think about the aging population as baby boomers continue to uh, pass away and as they continue to go into things like assisted living. Now, I don't know the best way to find deals uh, on a like for assisted living. Like there's got to be there probably are some systems for that, but I'm not aware of them. But if you can target older people who need to downsize, that's a huge market. And a lot of times those houses like if someone's 65 years old and needs to move to an assisted living or, you know, or something like that, a lot of times the house is run down. Um, the house has not been updated since very 19, dated. Yeah. 1987 um, or it's a real nice house for 1982, you know, and it's an immaculate condition if we were in 1982. Right. Um, and so we, every deal I found in the last 12 months has been a deal with someone 60 plus. And so those are some things to keep in mind, but um yeah, I didn't. I, I may have just run over you there with that, and like, no, ran, that's great. Rambling, but yeah, other ways to find deals, Taylor. Uh, do what now? Uh, other ways to find deals that are not on the market. I think we covered quite a few ways, yeah. and uh, we may even do like a deep dive on just one or two of these at some point. Um, yeah, I would. We've got a special segment that we should probably yeah. do. Well, before we go on to our special segment, what, let me mention one more possible way of finding deals where we're finding some deals right now is just by running ads like on Facebook. Um, and we actually, I actually run a digital agency. So we, you know, we can help you with your ads if you want, but uh, um, especially yeah, if you're not in our, like, there's you well, people I know that I would trust more with my ads than you. Uh, oh, I mean, seriously, thanks, like, you know how to build a, an audience and, yeah. and Thank you. target correctly. Thanks so. so much. But yeah, Facebook. Um, yeah, that's so other ways to find deals. We can talk more about. But yeah, a new segment. Um, you want to tell them about it? Yes. So let's step into our Q&A. Okay, perfect. And by the way, if you have questions you want answered from me or Taylor, uh, then let us know. You can send them, send your questions to me or send them to Taylor or put them in the comments on whatever platform you're watching on. Uh and we're going to ask what three questions of each sure. of us. Okay, so and we haven't prepared for these, so I'm this is going to no. be a, a, a just a yeah, true response. Not, not at all. So, uh, I, first question: Can I ask you the first one? Go. Okay. Why did you decide on real estate 
instead of other business ventures? I mean, like when you first started, you knew lots of stuff. You could do any business you wanted. Why did you start with real estate? Okay. So for me, I had this kind of aha moment. I was about 14 or 15 years old. Um, and, uh, I grew up really poor and I came home and the electricity was off. And I remember thinking, I love my parents and they're great, but I will never have this for my kids. My kids will never experience this. So my motivation was pretty high. And then the next question that I began to ask, uh, because I was like, I've got to get out of this cycle was what do most of the, what do most millionaires have in common? And to me, it was, uh, it seemed like real estate, they all invested in real estate in some way, or almost all of them invest in real estate. So to me, it was like, well, why, why choose a different path? If this has worked for them, it can clearly work for me. And it's not something, it's something you can do anywhere. So that was my great answer. All right. I got one for you. Yep. What separates those who are successful from those who aren't? Oh my gosh. I love that question. Here's what I think. What separates those who are successful from those who aren't? We have the same time. Like some of us are, are, are fatter than others. Some of us are taller. Some of us are, but we have the same amount of time. Here's what I think separates successful from non-successful. Three things. Number one is a white hot burning desire. Like some people just wake up hungry and they wake up and they're just motivated. Number two is a willingness to work. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and if you're willing to work, like in our, in our family, we had a motto and it was team ERP. My last name's ERP. We'd say team ERP. We will outwork you. So willingness to work. And the third is humility or coachability. And that's where you're willing to learn from anyone. So if you have those three things, a white hot burning desire, fire in your belly. And if you have um, willingness to work and you're coachable, I think you could be successful no matter what you do. I a thousand percent agree with that. The, I, I would love to add, I want to add one thing that I've kind of found and it goes with that willingness to work. Yeah. Okay. So willingness to work with delayed gratification. If you can delay mm-hmm. gratification, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, which, which is that willingness to work without the immediate benefit, right. The paycheck yeah. at the end of the week. Cause sometimes it's delayed. If you can yeah. delay that gratification and that work ethic can drive you, that is a thousand percent. And there are people that have talking about that white burning desire. There are people that have it like mm-hmm. they have this mentality that no matter what, they're going to get whatever they set out for. Oh. And uh, and that's a thousand percent true. That's one of the things that I look for when hiring someone is that just determination. I will get it. Mm. Mm. So, love so I'll ask you another question okay. right off of that. Um, so you talk about hiring people who have a white hot burning desire and some people just don't. And when you're looking to hire people, you're looking for that fire. Do you think that fire that someone has, can that be developed or can they decide to do it? Or are they born with it? Like what's involved in that? If someone's motivated or not motivated. Oh, I I have not considered that. I'm going to go, if I just off my gut, I'm going to say you develop it early. Like you, you learn that tenacity is how you win. So I think it can be developed, mm-hmm. but I think you, t- I think most people that have it, they tend to develop it early. I also think they're most of the time they're competitors. So like mm-hmm. they've had that competitive spirit 
their whole life, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. I'm going to beat you at chess. I'm going to beat you at uh, volleyball. I'm going to beat you at whatever it is. I'm going to win. Like, it's important to win. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sheer determination, uh, mm-hmm. I think, um, can you develop that? I think you can develop that with intentionality. I think with some people, it's more innate than others. Perfect. I love fair? it. What do you yeah. What do you think? I I like what you said. Can you? So some people are motivated, some people are not. I think everyone can be motivated. I think everyone can develop a discipline of being motivated. But I think some people are born with a fire that cannot be quenched. Yeah. And I do not know what it is, but when you see it, you know it. It's it. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Um, <laughs> I've made lots of mistakes in real estate. The biggest mistake I ever made in real estate was buying a house too far out of my geographical area and too far out of my criteria. Mm. There's a house I bought. It was 50 minute drive from where I live. Number one, I had no other houses in the area. Number two, Number three, it needed way more work than what I was used to doing. And that house, I paid the stupid tax on it for year after year after year. I got the worst tenants possible and I could never keep the house fixed. And I lost so much money on that house and I ended up dumping it. That was the worst mistake I ever made. It's because I didn't stick to my criteria. So the principle that I learned from that is set your criteria and stick to it. It doesn't matter how good the deal looks. If it doesn't meet your criteria, run away. Oh, wow. Write that down. Boom. Like, write that down. Um, okay. This is a double parter. Okay. And it, some of it might be too personal, but I'll ask two questions of you. Okay. So you understand the context. Number one, is all of your money investments in real estate? And number two, if so, why don't you diversify them more? So I guess I'm looking at, you know, do you put all your money into real estate or do you put it other places too? Right. Uh, not all, but the absolute vast majority. Like it, it, I do not have a well-balanced portfolio, right? Um, so uh, I like to invest in businesses and I like to invest in real estate. Um I like the control that real estate gives me. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it's an area that I have developed that skill and I know it and I've put 10,000 hours in and I know a deal when I see it and it's mm-hmm. it, it becomes pretty easy at some point to do that. So mm-hmm. uh, so not well-balanced portfolio, but it's it's an area of expertise. So I know it like the back of my hand. And with real estate, there's so many exit strategies. In a down market, I can rent it. Maybe I short-term rent it. I could sell it. I could sell it to another investor. I could package that and sell it to another. Like There's just so many ways that you can mm-hmm. exit real estate that to me, it's not really scary. You just got to know your exit strategies. Hmm. Good. It's a good thought. Um, all right. I'm going to go two-parter with you too. And it's okay. actually two questions, but so I'll, I'll do two questions back to back, but give me the first one. How do you invest with little to no money? Okay. You want me to take that first? Yeah. 
All right. So the question is, how do you invest in real estate if you have little to no money? Um, first of all, you you either like the assets you have, you have time, you have money and you have your creativity. I think those are the resources you have. It, the less money you can invest, then the more time you're going to need to invest. Right. And the more creativity. OK, so the way you can invest with little to no money, um, you can you can do a lot of hustling. We, we've done some uh, podcasts about how to find deals creatively you can do lots and lots of hustling and find really good deals find other investors that will that will compensate you or that will cut you in as a partner um those are ways you can do it or sometimes you can borrow money hard money but just realize this you can definitely make money in real estate if you have little to no money however you you're gonna have to invest significant time so you either have to have time or money and creativity is going to be helpful even if you have time and money so Love that's it. a short answer, but my my part two, and I love that you kind of you kind of went there. Was what do you do if you have money but no time? If you have money but no time, then you need to find guys like me and Taylor, and let us help you invest. Like I believe, like find guys that are hustling that know the market. Taylor, like he said, he's put in his ten thousand hours learning the market. Um, we work on commercial deals together. So if you have time but no money and you want to invest it in real estate, you can still get all the tax benefits, all the financial benefits, all of the stability benefits, but you can partner with us on deals and become a passive partner. And we do take people on like that all the time. We do not take everyone on like that, but select people we will be willing to partner with. Um, well, and if, and if yeah. it happens to not be a fit with, with us or whatever, yeah. that guy that you talked about, the guy who has time but no money, right. he could be your best friend. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're bringing, you can bring a piece of what is needed to a deal, whether that, you know, like there for every person out there that, that has money and no time, there's somebody out there that has time and no money. Right. And if you can find that partnership and that balance and like be able to cut somebody in on something and because they're, they're finding mm -hmm. deals, get in the way of the opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way, mm -hmm. but get, position yourself mm -hmm. in the way of the opportunity. And, yeah. uh, you'll get and, and maybe to say it more directly is if you want to invest in real estate and you have time, but you do not have money, then become an expert, like develop yourself, invest in the knowledge, read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, go to all the real estate investor meetups, get to know the market really, really well, and then find out what other investors need that you can provide. Some of them need expertise. Some of them might need help finding deals. Some of them might need. And so figure out what they need. Ask them how you can help provide it. And, and that will open doors for you. And we've done that with us because I run a digital marketing agency where it's like we've offered, hey, can, you know, can, we, can we get a meeting with you and I can help you with your Facebook ads or something like that. And we've, we've gotten into doors that way, you know, so. Yep. Find what you need. I love it. Is well, it, is it my turn to ask a question or yours? Uh, this is fun. I like the question and answer. Do one more. Let's do one okay. more. Um, is it, am I asking you or you, what, whose turn is it? Bring it on. Okay. Come at me, bro. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dave Ramsey. Yep. If you guys listen to stuff, Dave Ramsey, hardcore against using debt to buy and invest in real estate. Right mm -hmm. now, like hardcore against it. So Taylor Davis, I want to know, since Dave Ramsey says, don't borrow money to invest in 
rentals and real estate. Why do you think debt is okay on rentals and real estate? Okay. Strategic debt is okay. okay. Strategic debt is how you, it is how you get ahead. It is how, what brought us, the age of capitalism is all about strategic debt. And every successful business out there has leveraged strategic debt at some point because you're, it, it allows you to grow exponentially using someone else's capital. So, I mean, for the person who has $100,000, and I'll use round numbers, has $100,000 and can go buy a rental for $100,000 and it's going to make $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Or you use that strategically. You put 20% down on five different properties. Now you've got five properties. And let's say that they're only cash flowing $200 a month after you're paying that debt. So at the end of the day, you're only making $1,000 still in cash flow, right? Doesn't right. seem to be that big of a deal. Why would why would I take on that risk? Well, because you're getting five times the appreciation. You're getting five times the tax benefit. And in 15 to 30 years, depending on how you structure that debt, mm -hmm. you're going to have five assets that are paid off versus one. You are leveraging someone else's capital to make you rich. Yeah. Be smart with it. Be strategic with it. Don't don't go upside down in a car. Don't be, there's no such thing as strategic debt at Best Buy, but there is strategic debt when it comes to real estate investing. Mm. Mic drop, buddy. Mic drop. Boom. We should <laughs> end with that. I got nothing else. That was Man, just it. You hit a, you hit a, you hit a landmine. I know. I need to look for those more often. <laughs> this was super fun. I liked doing the QA at the end. I enjoyed it. We got to add the Q. I like the Q&A. I know. Segment. It's, it's killer. And I'd love to see people send us some questions that they want us to answer. Yeah, I love it. Hey, if you're watching, thanks for uh, logging on and watching us. Please comment, like, and share this with your friends. And um, and also, you can share your comments with us. Or you you can, um, if you have Haterade for us, you can give that to us too. We might even read it live. Um <laughs> If, uh, you know, uh, but if you if you disagree, that's OK, too. Uh, if you have questions about real estate or investing uh, and also, hey, why don't you talk a little bit, Taylor, about investing passively? So if somebody is like, hey, I have money, but I don't have time, but I want to invest in real estate. What can we do with that? Partner, like partner with somebody. There is someone out there that has the tools that you need. And if you don't have the mm -hmm. time, someone does. Someone has the expertise. Someone has the resources that could be. That could be us. Uh, there are general partners out there that you can that you can invest with, and you can be a limited partner where you're really just the money guy, and you're looking to get a return on your investment that's greater than the stock market with less risk. And that, I mean, all investing has risk, but like, let's be real, guys. Like, the volatility of the real estate market is nothing in comparison to the stock market. So you can you can do it. You have something tangible there in find the right partnership that you can that you can trust and rely on and you know that they're going to they're going to take care of your money better than you would and then you 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 strategically partner there yeah awesome you're the best brother let's uh let's do it again keep watching this guys follow me follow taylor and uh, share this with your friends thanks for watching thanks we'll guys see you later.